Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Today we're actually going to start a new series. New series, What to Say When I Pray. I don't know about you, but we're coming off the back of our Daniel series. I loved our Daniel series. Got so much out of it. It was amazing. And so again, all of our messages are available to download on podcasts. I recommend that you do that. But for me, one of the things that really struck me about Daniel was his commitment to prayer. You know, it's prayer that got Daniel thrown in the lion's den. It was a commitment to pray regardless of what happened that ended up with a consequence that he didn't want to have. And God rescued him miraculously. You know, recently, Tony and Andre visited Chris Hodges' church and prayer came through as a major theme of the conference. And as a leadership team, we wanted to put prayer back on our agenda. And so we're actually going into this series in a very intensive way. We're going to be doing four messages on prayer over two weeks. So tonight, Dan McGore is going to be continuing our series on prayer, and I'm really looking forward to that. Next week, we're going to be doing prayer morning and night. And in between times, as Ashari said, we're going to be doing prayer and fasting. This week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, six till seven, come here. And let's put into practice some of the things that we're going to be learning about today. Look, if you can't make all three of those prayer meetings, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Come to what you can. Because there's always power in doing whatever you can and maximising what you can do, rather than saying, oh, look, I can't make all three, therefore I won't go. No, no, no. Come along to as many as you can. Because prayer is one of those things that helps us. But let's face it, prayer is something also that is, doesn't necessarily come easy to us. Anyone else out there? Prayer doesn't really come easy. Prayer doesn't come easy to me. I remember growing up in a small country town and going to Sunday school and we'd sit down at the end of the session, we'd sit in a circle and we'd pray. We'd pray around the circle. Now, I don't know, maybe it was just me and maybe I wasn't all that bright. Because the teacher would always start and go to their right. And I always found myself sitting on the left. And I'd watch all these people pray and go, yep, I was going to pray that, I was going to pray that, I was going to pray that, I was going to pray that. And by the time it got to me, all the good material was gone. And I was sitting there going, and then there was that magical word. Because as you would go around the circle, you'd say, amen, and the next person would go. And so for me, what came out of my mouth was, amen, next person, you go, your turn. But it wasn't even just when I was younger. When I first came on staff here at Victory, which was more years ago than I care to imagine right now, I actually came on staff in an admin and finance role. And I joined our staff prayer meetings in the morning and there was me and five pastors praying. (laughs) 
And they were amazing. And they would just pray one after another after another and it would spur thoughts and I'd be sitting there going, uh, 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 I, I, was just, oh, I was just about to pray that. Now I've got nothing. Prayer just, one of those things that just didn't come naturally to me. And so it's our hope through this series, what to say when I pray, that we get some patterns of prayer. We want to encourage you that if you're not sure about what to pray, here's a pattern of prayer that you can work your way through so that you know what to say when you pray. You see, Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Hang on. All kinds of prayer? You mean there's more than one? Yes. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my prayer life gets caught in a rut. And we might end up praying the same thing over and over and over again. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we just need to break out of that rut and find a new kind of prayer that we can work with. And so today, we're starting this new series in the Old Testament. We're going old school today. And we're going to look at the prayer of Moses, or sometimes called the tabernacle prayer. So we're going to go all the way back to Exodus in the Old Testament. Why start in the Old Testament? Shouldn't we focus on the New Testament? No, we should focus on God. And we should get whatever we can, old or new, and focus and apply it to make sure that our relationship with Him is on track. In Exodus 24 to 31, seven chapters... Very detailed chapters. God speaks to Moses about the building of a tabernacle. What's a tabernacle, you might say? I'm so glad you asked. Have a look on the screen because this is what the tabernacle actually looked like. A portable tent-like structure as the Israelites were in the desert where God would come and meet with them. Seven chapters, very detailed about what the tabernacle needed to look like, what it should be made out of, who should make it, and what should be in it. And today, as we go through the different items that are in the tabernacle, we're going to pull out the pattern of prayer that we can apply now. You see, Jesus, when he was walking on the earth, he said he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill the law. And so every single thing in this tabernacle has a fulfillment in the New Testament. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So you may remember, Moses had just led the Israelites out of Egypt. Remember all the, flood, sorry, the plagues that happened? And then Moses got them to the Red Sea. They got through the Red Sea. And the Egyptians who were following couldn't get through. So they find themselves now in the desert. They were going to the promised land. When they got to the promised land, they were going to build a temple. 
a permanent structure that God would meet with them at. So this two-week journey unfortunately turned into 40 years wandering around the desert due to the Israelites' disobedience. And that's where the tabernacle came from. We couldn't build a permanent structure, or the Israelites couldn't build a permanent structure, so they had to have a temporary structure. And the tabernacle was that temporary structure where God would come and meet. You may remember at that time, God led the Israelites a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And it was that cloud and that fire that would rest over the tabernacle. And then God would be there. Have a look at this picture. Here is the floor plan of the tabernacle. Every single item there is for a purpose. And that purpose helps us pray today. We're going to start with that squiggly line over on the right-hand side there. That's the gate. The only entrance in and out of the tabernacle. So people would come, the priests would come from the outside and they would come through that gate into the tabernacle. In Psalm 100 and verse 4, It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. That verse was written specifically for that gate. That verse was all about when you come into the tabernacle, when you come into the temple, you're coming from the outside, inside. As you come from the outside, inside. Thanks and praise is the way that we come through the gate. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes thanks and praise is a little bit hard. Have you found that? Sometimes in our lives, things aren't going so well for us. It's a bit difficult to be thankful. It's a bit difficult to praise through those circumstances. And that usually happens when we lose our gratitude. You see, when circumstance gets on top of us, we forget to be grateful. Gratitude is that thing that makes what we have enough. I'm really thankful for my car. It's not the best car. It's not the greatest car. I wish I had a different car, but I am grateful for my car. But when I lose that gratitude, I start looking at other cars. And being happy with what I have turns into, I wish I had that. If we keep our gratitude, our gratitude says that what I have is enough. And sometimes it's difficult to actually keep our gratitude because we actually forget how blessed we are. How blessed do you feel? Do you feel blessed today? Because I think we are more blessed than we give anyone credit for. If you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back, a roof over your head and a place to sleep, you are more blessed than 75% of the people in this world. 
If you have money in the bank, your wallet and some spare change, you are among the top 8% wealthiest people in this world. Who's feeling a little bit more grateful? Wow. Wow. I am in the top 8% wealthiest people in this world. Do you know who I can thank for that? God. Because God chose that I would be born in Australia. And by the fact that I got born in Australia means that I have those things by default. God chose to place me here. God chose that I would be this blessed. Wow. Wow. If you can read the screens today, you are more blessed than more than three billion people in this world who can't read at all. If you are here today and you know Jesus, you are more blessed than 69% of this world that is going to a Christless eternity. God, thank you. Thank you. I am so blessed because you put me in Australia, because you saved me. Gratitude says, God, if you didn't do another thing for me, I'm more blessed than I deserve. How do we come into our prayer? The same way we come into the tabernacle. Come with thanksgiving and praise. God, you've blessed me so much. You're amazing. And I love you. Once through the gate, the first thing that the priests would both see and smell was the bronze altar. You see, the bronze altar was there to help the Israelites cover their sin. At this time, people needed to come with an animal sacrifice saying, God, I've done wrong and this animal dying is in place of me. Now think about this just for a moment. You came to church this morning, you got parked nicely, you got greeted well at the front door, there's coffee available. Imagine what it would have looked like coming into the tabernacle. Animal carcasses, blood, the temple, sorry, the temple, the altar burning away, the animals on top. Who's been to Bunnings? What's the first thing you smell? That sausage sizzle when you get out. Imagine coming to the tabernacle, picking your way through the blood, the smells, all because we're sinful and we need a saviour. What's the New Testament fulfilment of the bronze altar? The cross of Jesus Christ. You see, when people in the Old Testament came with their animals, it's something that they had to repeat regularly. When they sinned, they needed to bring an animal to sacrifice. This altar used to burn 24 hours a day. And yet Jesus Christ himself, the sinless one, the perfect one, in a one-time deal took on all of my sin, all of our sin, past, present and future, and dealt with it, nailed it to that cross. What's our pattern of prayer? Remember the cross. Remember Jesus. 
Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. A transgression, by definition, is an act that goes against a law, a rule, or code of conduct, an offence. A transgression is where we cross the line. A transgression is where I go too far. I've transgressed. And yet Jesus' hands and feet were pierced for where my hands and feet have gone too far. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for every time I go too far. It's your hands and feet that bore that on the cross. Thank you. Iniquities, they're different. A transgression is where we go too far, where we cross the line. An iniquity is a failing of character. An iniquity is where I'm not good enough in me. And the scripture says that Christ was crushed for our iniquities. Not only does the cross of Jesus Christ help us for when we go too far, it helps us with who we are. It calms and it transforms us from the inside out. Oh, Father, I thank you that you cover our transgressions. But more than that, I thank you when you cover our iniquity. You cover who we actually are. It's by his stripes that we're healed. The whipping, the scourging that Jesus actually experienced was done so that we may experience healing. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. And the end result of all of that is that I get to experience peace. Amazing. Out of all of my wrongdoing, out of who I am that is wrong, what I get to experience is peace with God and the peace of God in my life. Wow, thank you so much for the cross. Let's never forget the cross, the redemptive plan of God that offers peace and freedom to all who believe. After picking, after the peace priest, let me start that sentence again. After the priest picked his way through the animal carcasses, he would come to the bronze laver. Wow, a bronze laver. That sounds cool, hey? No idea what it is, but it sounds cool. The bronze laver is essentially a wash station. After dealing with the animals, after dealing with the sin offering, the priest would come and wash his hands and his feet, ready for service. The laver itself was actually polished bronze, which meant that as the priest was there washing their hands, washing their feet, they would be able to look at their own reflection in the laver. And it gave them that opportunity of self-reflection. Hey, God, I'm just about to go into the next section of the tabernacle. God, I want to be worthy. Cleanse me. Prepare me for the service 
that I'm about to go into. What's our New Testament fulfillment? We find it in Romans 12 and verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What does this look like for us? We're talking about prayer, remember? So what does this look like for us? To offer our bodies as living sacrifices. You know what? I like to start top to bottom. God, my mind. My mind. There's stuff in my mind that's just not right. There's thinking that I have that just doesn't line up with the word of God. God, come, cleanse, prepare me, prepare my mind so that I can serve you well. Father, I, I love meeting with people. I love my job. But, but Lord, there's so much that I just don't understand. My mind, Lord, come, wash and prepare my mind. Oh, Father, my eyes. Lord, my eyes need your help. Lord, I want to see you clearly today. I want to know what it is that you want me to do. Help me see you clearly. Help me see the others around me clearly. Help me see their needs. Not just what they're saying, but help me see behind what they're saying. Help me see God. Father, as much as I want that for my eyes, I know that sometimes my eyes, they look lustfully at things. Father, help me with that. Help my eyes today. Father, help my ears. Lord, my ears need to be attuned to you. Today, I want to hear from you clearly, God, today. I want to know what it is that you're calling me to do. God, help my ears. Father, where I get into conversations that people want to gossip. gossip. Father, my ears, close them off. I don't need to hear that stuff. It's not helpful to me. God, come, help. Help my ears. Father, my mouth. Oh, you know my mouth. You know my mouth. It can be used to bless, but sometimes it's not blessing that comes out of my mouth. God, I need you to use my mouth today. I need you to use my tongue today. Help me bring life into situations and not death. Father, my heart. Oh, your word says that you'll replace my heart of stone with a heart of flesh. God, I want that today. I want to be attuned to you at a heart level. I want to be connected at a heart level. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, my hands, what I do today, Help them be good. Help them be right. Help them be helpful today. Lord, my feet, direct my steps today. Take me to the places I need to go so that I can serve you well today. The laver offered that time of self-reflection to cleanse and to prepare. And in our prayer life, we can do the same thing. We can use the time just to cleanse and prepare so that we're ready to do what God is calling us to do. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're still in the outer court. We're just about to move into this inside tent. And the first room that we go into is called the holy place. And the first thing that you would see, or the priest would see as he walked into the holy place, was the golden lampstand. Why is it the first thing? Well, for two reasons. One, it was the only light source in the room. 
And so as you walked in, your eyes would naturally go towards that light source. Second reason, it was pure gold. Literally cut, made out of one nugget. Think about that for a moment. One piece. That's a big nugget that got carved down to make that golden lampstand. It was very ornate. It had seven branches to it. You may have seen it more recently, particularly when it comes to Jewish festivals and holidays. It had the central branch and then it had the outer branches that would come up. Seven of them. It was an oil-burning lamp. So each of those seven stations needed to be filled with oil all the time. Need to have their wicks kept right. And it was actually the priest's job to keep that burning 24 hours a day. And so therefore, priests needed to be on station 24 hours a day. The Jewish word for the golden lampstand is the menorah. And as I said, you may see it in other places. What's our New Testament fulfillment of the golden lampstand? Well, throughout Scripture, both the oil and the fire is representative of the Holy Spirit. The pattern of prayer is that we need the Holy Spirit to be able to do what he's calling us to do. In Isaiah 11 verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Just like the golden candlestick illuminated the room, we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate our lives. I don't know about you, but I need more wisdom and understanding. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings that into my life. I need the guidance and the power and the knowledge that the Holy Spirit brings. I need the Holy Spirit to reveal more of Jesus to me. So that I can keep that awe and that wonder about who Jesus really is. You see, the world doesn't need more of me. It needs more of the God in me. And that's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come, I need more of you in my life. So that I can work out through my life. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He gifts us and empowers us to make a difference. Unfortunately, there are times when the Holy Spirit gifts and empowers and all that happens is that I feel gifted and empowered. He gifts and empowers so that we may be Jesus' hands and feet in our community. And so let's make sure that when we're praying, we're asking the Holy Spirit's help to gift us and empower us so that we can make a difference in our individual worlds and then collectively in the world. The, other, the next item that we see in the holy place is the table of showbread. A bit apt right now, we've got the royal show happening. There'll be lots of bread displays that are down there for people who are far gifted bakers than me. 
displaying their wares. On this table, there were 12 loaves of bread, one for each of the tribes. And the 12 loaves of bread were there to show two things. One was to show thankfulness for God's provision. Remember, this is actually in the desert. This is where the manna and the quail were provided by God to the Israelites. And so there's a thankfulness, a gratefulness for the provision of God that happened. But more than that, it's also there because God always wanted to meet with his people. And meeting with people over a meal, meeting with people with the bread, is a common practice even still today. And so the table of bread was there to remind them of God's provision, but also of God's presence. What's our New Testament application? The Bible. The Bible is there to remind us of God's provision and his presence with us. Just like the bread would nourish our body, we need the Bible to nourish our soul. When Jesus was in the desert after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, the devil came along. And the first temptation, turn these stones into bread. Jesus' response, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You see, I think that too often we separate our Bible reading and our prayer. I'll do 10 minutes of Bible reading in the morning, followed by 10 minutes of prayer, followed by we're all good. <laughs> I think it's meant to be more organic than that. I think we're meant to read the Bible and go, oh, wow, God, oh, that is amazing. Oh, thank you so much for the promise that you just gave me. That is just unbelievable. Wow, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, I need to read a bit more. Oh, wow, the promise, that promise, God. Thank you. We're meant to feed on the word, which means that we're meant to take it in. We're meant to let it do its work in us. We can claim the promises of God in our prayers. Promises like, God, God promises to give us rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How about Philippians 4, 9? And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Provision. How about Deuteronomy 3.31.6? Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Let's use our prayer life to claim the promises of God that are revealed in his word. The last item, the altar of incense. On the back wall, separating the holy place from the holy of holies. The altar of incense is there. The coals used in that altar were taken from the main altar, the bronze altar outside, and brought inside to burn the incense. What does that incense represent for us? Worship. Worship. Just like the incense rises, our worship is meant to rise to God 
at the same time. Very different to praise and thanksgiving. That's what happened at the gate, remember? That's what got us into the outer court. That was our praise and thanksgiving. This is now our worship. God, for who you are, I give you praise. In Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I don't know about you, but when it comes to worship, I need to be careful. I actually need to structure my worship time. Why? Because my worship time becomes a shopping list if I'm not careful. Oh, Father, you are amazing. You are so good to me. Oh, your goodness, Lord, your goodness. Oh, wouldn't it be good if I had a new car? I need to be careful. I need to structure this. And for me, a few things that I come back to in helping me in worship. Father, your omnipotence. You are all powerful. You spoke and creation came. That's amazing, God. Look, whatever I think, Whatever I think my strength is, multiply by a hundred, multiply by a million, it's still not even close to you, God. Oh, you're amazing. Oh, Father, your omniscience, your all-knowing blows my mind. Father, you know everything about me. You know more about me than I know about myself, and yet you still love me. You still call me by name. You still chose me. So grateful. Father, You're omnipresent. You're in all places at all times. I can't get my head around that. I find it hard enough to be present where I'm sitting, let alone everywhere. And yet God, not only all places, everywhere, all at once, you still want to have one-on-one time? Oh, amazing. God, you adopted me into your family. Thank you. You saved me. Thank you. You redeemed me. Thank you. Worship. The final item in the tabernacle, in a room all by itself, the room was called the Holy of Holies, was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, we all know about the Ark of the Covenant because we've seen raiders of the lost Ark and we've seen people's faces melt off. (laughs) Spoiler alert, not real. Not real. However, the Holy of Holies. Not anyone could enter the Holy of Holies. It could only be the high priest. And the high priest just couldn't go in and out as he felt like. It was there one day a year. The penalty of going into the Holy of Holies when you shouldn't, death. Only a small penalty. Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. The awe, the reverence that would be there would be amazing. I'll tell you what, you'd be wanting to make sure that in the laver everything was clean, right? before it was that day. What did the high priest do when he walked into the Holy of Holies? Prayed for Israel. God, this nation that you've called, bless the nation. 
What's our New Testament fulfilment? Intercession. Let's pray for others. Just as that priest would go in and make an atonement for Israel, let's pray for others. In 1 Timothy 2, it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. What do we pray for when we intercede with others or for others? Again, I just my brain works this way. I start big and work down. Pray for the world. Pray for the governmental systems that are in place across the world. Pray for God's word to go out, that people may hear what's happening. And then I bring it down to Australia. Father, for our levels of government, national, federal, local, they need your wisdom, they need your help. They're just people trying to do the best they can. Won't you come, Holy Spirit, and help them? Father, for our church, our senior leaders, Tone and Kath, they're amazing. But they carry a burden beyond what I carry. Holy Spirit, come and help them with that burden. Strengthen them. Lift them up. Help them be the people that you're calling them to be. Help them lead this church well. Lord, for my family, for my kids, for my wife, help us. I'm their husband. They need all the help that they can get. Won't you help us, God? Let's intercede on behalf of others. In conclusion, and as the band comes, whilst the tabernacle was a portable structure used until the temple was built, The items in it give us a great pattern for prayer. This pattern can take you five minutes. Or if you want to spend a bit of time, it could take you hours. But this week, can I encourage you, let's take this pattern and let's apply it. We've got prayer meetings Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights. You will see this pattern in effect. But it's a pattern that helps us privately know what to say when I pray let's come with praise and thanksgiving let's remember the cross of Jesus let's offer our bodies as living sacrifices let's seek the presence of the Holy Spirit let's claim the promises found in scripture let's worship God for who he is and let's intercede on behalf of of others. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.